Good morning and God bless you, my wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. Take your Bibles, please, and go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Life is a very beautiful thing. In any place you look where there's beauty and joy and happiness in life, you're going to find one common factor. Love, L-O-V-E, God's kind of love especially. I often like to say that love is the answer no matter what the question. (laughs) And today I want to talk about how to love Jesus. How to love Jesus. The point of life is really to learn to love bigger. You know, God could have gotten us born again, taken us right into paradise, but he left us here with two great commandments that express what the whole book says. Love God with your whole heart. Say it with me soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great commandments. If we do those two things right, we are going to be so well-pleasing in God's sight. It's going to bless his socks off. And I remember an old mentor of mine used to say to me quite frequently, Peg, if you're going to pray for anything for yourself, ask God to give you a bigger heart. I have. And he has. (laughs) What a great answer. It's really difficult for me to explain the ache that I feel when I see other people suffering, especially children. I find it odd that I've never had the privilege of raising a child, and yet the number one motivation for me to teach the Bible, to counsel, or to write books is simply to make a child's life better. My feeling is, if I make a healthier adult, then they're going to raise healthier, more well-adjusted children. I'm constantly asking myself, am I making the world a better place, or is it just same old, same old? I want to do things that help change a human being so it changes generations for them. You know, we get rid of the curses and bring in the generational blessings. And that's probably because my own childhood was kind of a nightmare. I mean, I was molested for years, and I went to school every single day feeling dirty, damaged, and ashamed because of the pattern of one <clears throat> one adult in particular in our home. And if I can help anyone, anywhere, not feel that dirty, damaged, and ashamed, that's what I want to do. I love helping others. It is a driving passion for me to get up in the morning. And, you know, you don't have to live through my childhood to learn compassion. All you have to do is ask Jesus to give you a bigger heart. And that's what he promises to do in Ezekiel 36, 26. I just love this verse. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart I will, God will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Well, I think all of us agree that when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, we got a new spirit, Holy Spirit. But just like that, when we ask God, He also wants to give us a new heart. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's a figure of speech because do you know what stone is? Hard. (laughs) Have you ever heard hard as a rock? 
But you know what flesh is? It's soft. It's tender. It's responsive. You press on the flesh on your arm and it goes down and it comes back up. It's just beautiful. That means that when we ask God, he will take away, like a vacuum cleaner, really, (laughs) the hard-heartedness that the world has put inside of us. And he will fill us up, just like he filled them up with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He'll fill us up with his tenderness, his compassion. He will give us a heart like his. Like David said in Psalm 51, Verse 10, where he said, Lord, create, create, create in me a clean heart. That's God doing the heavy lifting. We're doing the asking, but God's giving us the feelings, emotions, and visions we need to change our heart, our attitude deep inside. Create in me a clean heart and give me a new attitude. And, And David said when he got that, that it restored his joy. Because you know what? People that are truly and genuinely have the fruit of the Spirit joy, it comes from God, not from a new toy, not from a new dress, not from graduating with honors. I mean, those are all great things. Those are all great things. But joy comes from Jesus himself. And he wants to give us a deep compassion for our fellow man. One day I saw something, I don't remember the exact scene, but I remember just feeling such pain deep in my soul and asking God, how can I help this person? I know I can feel their pain. And God said, you're not feeling, the pain you're feeling, (laughs) Peg, is not your pain, but my pain. He said, this is how my heart feels when I see anyone hurting. And I'm sure knowing God, he showed me what to do to help the person. If you ever read the Gospels, Compassion, I should have looked it up. It's in there a lot. There's so many major works Jesus did in terms of magnificent healings and casting out demons and things like that. That says, and because he was moved with compassion and healing and wholeness and love would follow. I love that word in the Greek, it's splachnizomai. Isn't it fun just to say? (laughs) But compassion is something you literally feel. I mean, you can feel it in your solar plexus. It's not a head thing. It's a heart thing. And you feel compelled to alleviate the suffering of other people. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, Look not every man on his own things. Isn't that the world we live in? Everybody's in, what about me? What about me? What about me? How can I have a bigger this or more of that? And most of it's just wasted or we forget we even have it. So don't look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That doesn't mean to, to get, get out there and be a busybody and snoop. It means if, if a situation presents itself, get up and help. Get up and help. And how do you do that? I let this mind, this mind, these thoughts be in you, which were also in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the mind of Christ? I remember reading that verse and thinking, man, whatever it is, I want a double dip. Boy, howdy. Yeah. 
So I started praying and asking God to show me the mind of Christ. And he showed me three or four things. Number one, he said Jesus started every single day getting himself right with God. The Bible says he got up a great while before day and went apart and prayed. That means he talked to his Father in heaven. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus' biggest ask, A-S-K, what he was asking the Father was, what can I do for you today? How can I love others bigger for you today? How can I show them the way to your heart, Papa? How can I help the suffering? Number two, I always thought it was so cool that the scribes and Pharisees jammed up Jesus all the time because he hung out with publicans and sinners. Well, if you want to fish, you go to the water. (laughs) The scribes and Pharisees, they were the desert. They thought they had all their life together. Their stuff was in a a row. It was all, they were hunky-dory. The publicans and sinners, you know what? They knew they needed help. Now, Jesus didn't help them stay with their addictions or habits, but he went where the need was. And then he helped them change, to feel better about life, to lift them up. It's not that Jesus didn't hang out with wealthy people. Lazarus says in the Bible was his best friend, and he was super wealthy. But Jesus wanted to share the wealth, especially of his Father's kingdom, with everyone, especially those who knew they needed help. And when you read about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they may have had a lot of money, but they knew they needed the kingdom of God. They lived for God. I only say that because the Bible says, you know, it's easier for a man to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because once you acquire a lot of stuff, the more stuff you have, the more problems you have. I mean, you've got to steward them. You've got to pay the bills, da-da-da-da-da. Can you be a great Christian and have tons of money? Yes, you can. But the Bible says it's a little harder because when you have all of your physical needs met, it's hard to understand you, you have spiritual needs that are more important. Hey, look, I wish every Christian was a multimillionaire because we'd take the word over the world (laughs) if they had the right heart, right? (laughs) There would be no people in the streets. We'd be helping everybody. Number three, think about this because this is a huge thing. You know, Jesus did not condemn the woman caught in adultery. He didn't excuse what she did. He told her to go and sin no more. But as a counselor, I can tell you, I can't help anybody by criticizing them or letting them feel like I'm judging them. God opens doors for me to reach people's hearts by letting them understand, see that I understand what they're going through, and I'm only inviting them into a better way of life. It's called caring, <laughs> caring about a person. Years ago, Papa spoke so loudly to my soul. He said, Pego, everybody loves a winner. You know, we love to hang out with the rich, the famous, the movie stars. But he said, I want you to love people into being winners. I want you to take those people that think they can't and show them they can. 
And that was the year I got super involved with the juvenile center in Manassas, Virginia for years. I went there every weekend because, again, changing the youth, helping them with their self-esteem, showing them there's a better way to live. And it's just the love way. That's all I can say. It's the love way. Love God, love yourself, love others. And, you know, and the, and the thing to notice here, I don't know why God popped this up into my spirit when I was jotting some things down, but Jesus did this all without prejudice. I hate, the, I hate the word prejudice. I hate the thought prejudice. I hate people who think in prejudicial thoughts. God has made of one blood all nations. Over 50% of the miracles that Jesus did happened to Gentiles and Samaritans. Do you understand who they were? In 33 AD, they were the dregs of society. The Hebrews would not even allow them into the temple area. They could come to the plaza outside, but not into the temple area. There's a big old sign there that said Hebrews only. <laughs> Sound familiar? Let me say just here and now, division is never loving. Every division is from Satan, whether it's race, gender, wealth, social status, all those are tools of Satan to divide and conquer, to get us to love someone less and to hate more. I don't care what the political label or church is pushing. Any kind of division is wrong. Their hearts are not in the right place. <laughs> They're speaking for Beelzebub, not for Jesus. No, thank you, shorty boy. You know what? None of these divisions cut the mustard in heaven. The only thing that moves God is one thing. Are you loving him with your whole heart? And likewise, because the second commandment is likened to the first, are you really, really loving and caring for your neighbor as much as your own little rice bowl? <laughs> If the world applied this one teaching here today, we could change it for the better overnight. But it's only by following the love of God that any family or person or nation can be healed and set free. We're here on earth to love one another and to heal the human heart. So why don't we all do more of this? Well, Dan covered a lot of this in his last teaching when Dan talked about uh, stingy with our time, fear, laziness. We're just too comfortable, like I said, in our life. We don't want to rock the boat. We have all these lame excuses why we don't have time to really reach out and pour ourselves into another person. But you know what? We're all going to see God face to face one, one day and give him an account of this one life we have here on earth right now. And this is just act one of his eternal plan. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's interesting. That's never really been my personal motivation. I can't speak for anybody else. My motivation is just help people because you can. If you have the ability to do it, why not? That's enough for me. Again, I had a pretty scarred childhood, so I know what it feels like to feel like the chewing gum on the bottom of someone's shoe walking through a dirty alley. And if I can alleviate that 
pressure from one person's life. Man, isn't that the greatest thing you could do with your day? Even if you're late for a meeting or you wanted to spend your money doing something else and you decided to put it over here for God's purposes. You're never going to go wrong by doing right. You're never going to go wrong by doing right. But you know, no matter what happens to a person, if we look back, there's always a gift. And in those troubling years of my youth, what I came out with on the other side in my adult life was this tremendous compassion for people. And I tell you, I was in my 20s, I was the last person on earth that I thought would have an ounce of compassion for anybody. I think I mentioned before, I saw a woman get shot right in front of me and didn't even bend over to help her. So who I am today is because of Jesus. I mean, like Paul, this is my testimony. And when Jesus came into my heart at 23, it was a new day, and I literally got on my knees and begged him to make me an instrument of his love. I remembered one of the saints that we studied about in Catholic school talked about, make me an instrument of your love. I think it was St. Francis. Where there's hate, let me sow joy. You know, let me sow love. Where there's pain, let me sow peace or whatever. I don't remember it, but I just remember, make me an instrument of your love. Give me a tender heart. Help me have compassion. And Galatians 5.13 says, Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Well, yeah, we all like that one. <laughs> Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. What woe? We don't like that one so much. You mean I have to share my toys, Daddy? Yeah, that's what God's saying. That he's blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. But he did this so we can bless others and share the wealth, not just accumulate more stuff. Remember the guy in the Gospels that had all this stuff? And he said, I'm going to build bigger barns so I can store all my new cars and my new this and my that. And that night he died. And God called him a fool for laying up treasures on earth and not laying up heavenly treasures, which would have been sharing the wealth. (laughs) And people, we all know that the happiest, most loving people on the planet are givers. And selfish people are just the saddest human beings you're ever going to run into. There used to be a bumper sticker that was real popular that said, He who dies with the most toys wins. And I remember just shaking my head when I'd see that. Because he who dies with the most toys, if he doesn't have Christ, he still dies. But he who dies with Jesus as Lord lives for eternity. And if he's out giving and sharing the gospel, he'll bring others with him into the kingdom. And that's why Satan wants us all to be as selfish as we possibly can. And to just, and really, and to be unaware of our selfishness. Well, I'm not selfish. I give this or that. Maybe, maybe so. But is it really, (laughs) we're going to talk about that later. When you really love, it's self-sacrifice. You're giving more than you feel like. You're getting out of your comfort zone. It could be time, talent, or money. But love requires a sacrifice. If it feels comfortable, you're probably not in the right zone. (laughs) 
Anyway, Galatians 5, 14, the next verse is, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I'm pretty interested in Peg. I want her to be happy. I want myself to have good food. I'd like to live in a nice house. Mostly, though, I'd like to have peace of mind. I would like to have healthy self-esteem. I would like to feel good about the things I do throughout the day. To me, those are the greater gifts. And I'm so thankful that when I moved to Florida, God brought a young woman into my life who lives this creed of loving others in a very big way. My friend Tanya is constantly looking for ways to bless and help her fellow man. And at times, I've had the privilege of being her sidekick, her wingman, giving out meals to the hungry or going to a halfway house where women are trying to reenter society and other stuff. And I just want to say, she has been a massively good influence on me to get out of my comfort zone and do more. I mean, my biggest sorrow is I wish I had more energy because at 40, man, I, was, I could keep up with people. <laughs> now, not so much, but, 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 that doesn't mean I'm not going to get up and get out and do what I can. Because we don't do this stuff to be rewarded or have our name on a plate or get noticed. I mean, read Matthew 6. It says, when you do something good, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Because if you crow about how great you are before people, you lose your reward in heaven. And you can say, well, Peg, aren't you crowing right now? Well, no, because it's not, it's not bragging if I'm giving a testimony. And the big part of the testimony is, look. I was the least likely to succeed. I mean, I was like Paul. who He was out killing Christians. I wasn't quite that bad, but I was one hot mess. People say, do you, do you believe in miracles? And I go, yes, every time I look in the mirror, because I was the least likely person on the planet to love a person, to be kind, to be generous, because I really lost my way in my 20s. And a loving believer who was in deep pain sick, had a lung removed, tried to get out of bed to get me to go to that fellowship. And I went. Whether I've had a big impact on other people, that's for God to judge. But I'm just trying to say we can all up our game. I started from below the below zero mark. <laughs> and basically God's, you know, sums up the whole Bible in love God and love your neighbor. And then he just spends another 1,500 and something pages telling us how to do that. <laughs> so how do we do it? Without reservation. Who do we do it to? Anyone who needs Jesus' love. When we, Here's the deal, though. When we truly get our completeness in Jesus and realize he supplies all of our needs and he's there for us and we have nothing to worry about in life as long as we look to him, then we can really help other people without using them to feed our ego. <laughs> so what does this have to do with loving Jesus? Talked for a while now. Go to Luke chapter 10. Very common f fable you know, gospel story, parable. On one, on one occasion, an expert in the law, and those lawyers were, there were some good ones like Gamaliel, but there was, you know, they were right in that group with the scribes and Pharisees that 
you know, I thought their stuff didn't stink. Anyway, he said, teacher to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? (laughs) And the man answered, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do, Do this. Look at that. Do this and you will live. Now, that's interesting because the next sentence, verse 29 says, but the lawyer wanted to justify himself. Do you know what that tells me? that he knew in his heart of hearts he wasn't doing that. (laughs) He was saying it, but he wasn't doing it. So to try to wiggle out, he said, well, who is my neighbor? Verse 30, and in reply, Jesus talked about the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped off all of his clothes, and they beat the heck out of him. And the robbers went away, leaving the guy in a ditch half dead. And a priest who you would think would be loving. (laughs) He was going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So did the Levite, a lawyer, a teacher of the law. He saw the man in pain, and he walked on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, remember I told you about bigotry? Boy, they, they couldn't come into the inner temple. They were no Samaritans allowed. When he saw the man who was beat up, he took pity on him. And he went over and he poured oil and wine in the man's, I don't you know, can you imagine just taking this poor guy out of a ditch and pouring wine and oil in his, in his wounds? And then he puts him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper, and tells him, look, I'm going to come back this way, and whatever else you have to do to get him well, I'll pay you the difference. Wow. Wow, it's called the Good Samaritan because it's a huge lesson. (laughs) And Jesus said to the guy who knew he wasn't doing the first two commandments, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers in verse 37? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And you want, you know, I wish I could just see the look on that guy's face. Was he kind of hanging his head and shaking his head? And I don't know. I hope, I hope that got through to his hard heart because Jesus told him, go and do thou likewise, which means the man wasn't doing it. <laughs> he needed to have a change of heart. The lawyer And isn't it beautiful how Jesus came up with this parable that just, boy, hit the center of the target? Bang. There was no misconstruing what he said here. (laughs) Get out there and love more. Put your mirror down, Mr. Narcissist, (laughs) you know, and look unto the needs of other people. Well, the religious leaders in Jesus' day He was using them as an example of those who were not showing mercy and were not helping people and pointing out their hypocrisy because they were hard-hearted, ego-driven people. And that lawyer that came up and talked to Jesus, we've heard this before, he was one who heard the word, but he didn't do it, so he was deceiving himself, says in James. If you just hear the word and don't do it, you deceive yourself. Calling yourself doesn't make you a Christian. (laughs) Acting like Christ 
makes you a Christian. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Calling yourself doesn't make you a Christian. Acting like Christ makes you a Christian. Putting on the mind of Christ. Saying to Father, what can I do to bless you by blessing others today, right now, here, in this life? And I know there's some of you out there grumbling, you know, we're not saved by good works. No, you weren't. You were saved by Jesus giving the ultimate sacrifice. He did the work. But you know what we are? We are saved to good works. Big difference. We're saved by grace, not by good works, but we are saved to good works, to do those good works that God has called us to do before the foundation of the world, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. We're part of his plan, his outreach plan. We're his little love mongers out there just loving people any way we can, being nice to the waitress, being nice to the guy at the car wash, saying hello, smiling at someone. Here's the deal. (laughs) God created humanity in the beginning to represent him on earth. Well, that didn't work out too well because of selfishness. (laughs) But he's never changed his goal. He created you and I to represent him, his love, his joy, his peace, his virtue here on this planet. And every day I'm asking Peg, how you doing on that one, girlfriend? How you doing? I take a check up from the neck up and ask myself, how am I doing? And it says in 1 John 4.20, if a man says he loves God and doesn't love his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he has never seen? Those aren't my words. Those are his. If you don't like them, (laughs) take it up with the management. But like I said, love, when you really love, it costs something. It's not free. It's a time commitment or it maybe takes you out of your comfort zone. If it doesn't cost something, you're probably not doing it enough. Because if it's always in your comfort zone, then you're not really giving, are you? (laughs) Giving means it leaves you and goes to someone else. But again, Jesus calls us to love without hesitation, without reservation, and without limitations. There you have it. And that's, this is how we love Jesus. And if you say, well, Peg, I haven't seen it in the Bible yet. Well, they'll go to Matthew 25. <laughs> Matthew 25, verse 31. Look, let me just say right now, I know you folks, most of you who are hearing this, and I know you're loving people. I know you give in, different, in various ways. I know many of you give to support this ministry, which we couldn't do it without your tithes and offerings. So for those of you who are already doing it, I'm just saying, hey, step up your game. Turn up the burner. For those of you who aren't, it'll be a new experience, but it will bring you more joy, more satisfaction than you can even imagine when you see the smile on the other person's face whose life you pour yourself into. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one. When the Son of Man comes, and he is coming back, whether the unbelievers like it or not, he's coming back one day. (laughs) When the Son of Man comes in glory, 
and the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people. Here will come a division. <laughs> and he will, he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. In the Bible, the right hand is always the hand of blessing and the left hand is the hand of cursing. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well, how did we become inherit inheritors of the kingdom? We believed in King Jesus, that he's our Messiah, that God raised him from the dead. And in a moment of time, we received what's called the new birth. But he takes this a step further. He brings in the second part of the, the great commandment. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's how we get in the kingdom. And the second is like unto the first. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. You gave me a place to stay. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The righteous will say, when did we do this? I mean, they knew, you know, right now Jesus is not here. I can't go out to Jesus and visit him in prison or give him a drink of water. So how do we do these things for Jesus? Verse 40, the word always has the answer. And the king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these least of these brothers of mine, you did to me. Kapow, there it is in black and white. If we want to love Jesus, the King of Kings, we do that by loving our fellow man. Without hesitation, without reservation, without limitation. What an utterly astounding statement. And whether it's your children, your spouse, your friends, or a total stranger. Every time we are kind and loving and giving to another human being, you are being kind and loving to Jesus. Who knew? <laughs> well, now you know. When I smile at that woman in the restaurant who's probably been screamed at because maybe the last order wasn't cooked properly, I'm seeing the Christ in her. I want to love her as a child of God. Whether she is or isn't, that's not my problem. I just want to love that woman. I want to leave you. When I go to the checkout and just say something funny or give it, not have a joke. When I was fortunate enough to hand out meals, every one of those people in that car I touched, I'm touching Jesus. I'm loving Jesus. I hear so many people talking about, oh, I want to love the Lord more. What can I do? What can I do? Well, if you've heard this teaching, you don't have to ask. <laughs> I've just shown you one, two, three. You just have to get out of your comfort zone and start giving more. Because you know what? You can never outgive God. And I'll tell you one thing I learned a long, long time ago. The more I give, the more God gives to me. Sometimes my life is an embarrassment of riches, of good things going my way. And you know why? I know why that's happening, because you can never outgive God. 
When you give, he's going to pour back into your life. And just remember this one thing, folks. Love is God in action. Love is God acting in this world. But here's the, here's the catch. Thinking about being loving is not love. Doing those things that are loving, that's love. <laughs> There's just way too much hate, chaos, and selfishness still in this world today. It's, it's a mess. Somebody's got to step up to the plate and continue being the example of loving God big time by loving our neighbor as ourselves. Say this with me, folks. It may as well be me. Say this with me. It may as well be me. Lord, give me a bigger heart. Show me how to do more. I truly, truly believe that this planet is not going to stay filled with all the kind of hate and chaos we're seeing today. I believe there's going to be homeostasis reached on this planet, a a peace, hopefully in my lifetime. And again, we're going to do that three ways. Number one, by staying close to God, just like Jesus did, peanut butter and jelly, close to God. Number two, getting out of our comfort zone every chance we can to give. And number three, then when we love others, we love them with Jesus kind of love, not looking for something in return. Because God really did create humanity to represent him on earth. And that's what the Lord requires of us, you know, to walk justly and to have mercy. That's what it says in the Bible. We just have to continue to step up to the plate and enlarge our borders in giving. The greatest gift of all, of course, is to give somebody the gift of the new birth, to tell them about Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, because that's an eternal gift. And yet don't neglect that cup of cold water, that kind word, that visiting a person in the hospital, helping the widows and the fatherless, it says in James. All those practical ways that love can be shared person to person. Because when we love them, we are loving Jesus. Father, I thank you so much right now for the beauty of walking in love and God that (laughs) I pray for all of us today to pray for a bigger heart, to give more, to love deeper, to just do those things that are well-pleasing in your sight, to not get so caught up in the things of life that we lose sight of the things of eternal life. So, Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen, amen.